Um, I really appreciate the opportunity to present. So I'm a co-founder of SOAR Group, uh, TSOR Group, um, stands for uh, to serve others rightly. And um, we uh, have two services. One is on vision-aligned leadership, and the other one is a service where we procure and manufacture in China. Some of the questions um, I want you guys to keep in mind as I go through this, though, is um, what we asked ourselves was, how do you measure effective leadership? How do you increase engagement in employees and companies? And um, how do you lead the next generation? Is the principles and the ways that we led in the past, like the Jack Welches versus um, millennials and Gen Xers, do we have to lead differently than we did before? So those are the questions we asked ourselves as we were, getting, we were developing the company here. Services here. Oh, wait, did I? Shoot, I feel like I'm missing something. Uh, oh yeah, I did, I did. I asked those questions, okay, leadership. So what's, why is leadership, why do we focus on this thing? Well, we talk about the, during COVID, there's that great resignation, like people left their companies, even though there are good, there were openings on probably lower paying jobs or more like trade skills. Um, but for some reason, people were just deciding to leave the companies and they call that the great resignation. If you guys know Gary uh, Vaynerchuk or Gary V, he's a, a well-known entrepreneur. And he talks about how it's important to have soft skills and emotional quotient, EQ. If you guys know a very famous uh, Harvard Business Review talks, oh, wait, hold on, these are some statistics too. Uh, less than 30% of employees are engaged at work. 91% of employees believe their boss lacks emotional intelligence. 70% of adults have left a job to get away from a bad manager. Uh, Harvard Business Review talks about how, from um, uh, Professor Daniel Goleman, 1998, and talks about um, EQ is actually more important, if not as important, um, than IQ. So as you climb up the ranks of corporate, the corporate ladder, become more like a, a visionary CEO, your emotional skills, soft skills become very important. So what is what makes up emotional intelligence? It's self-awareness, it's self-regulation, empathy for others, social skills, and motivation. So um, the question is, is, can one develop soft skills and EQ when they're older? So normally what happens with children is that um, you go on the playground and you learn how to play with each other and know what's appropriate and what's not. And so if you, most people um, who were very popular in high school will probably make very good salespeople. Uh, we did a case study during business school where they talked about how Enterprise, the rental company, they didn't want the smartest people when they first started. They wanted the people who knew how to party at school, who knew how to go out because you develop these kind of soft skills and learn how to socially interact with people when you're younger. Um, I did not, I was not one of those, obviously. I was, like I said, gymnast, violin, and then studied the whole time. And then at the military academy, you learn military stuff, but you don't necessarily learn how to like talk to people. You learn how to answer yes, sir, no, sir, no, no excuse, sir, sir, I do not understand kind of things, right? So can you develop it? Um, obviously, if I'm talking about this, I, we believe you can. So, and how do you do that? I'll talk a little bit of some of the principles we talk, we, we teach on. And then how do you lead millennials Gen Z? So have you guys all heard about quiet quitting? No. Okay. So basically it's people who continue working, but they don't, they basically do the bare minimum. So they're not actually quitting. They're just silently just doing the bare minimum because um, they believe that, uh, and, and, uh, and honestly, I can see perspectives is that the corporation doesn't care about their people. And you see a lot of layoffs happening in the last two or three years, especially in the tech industry is that, you know, there's no loyalty to corporate corporations because they're not loyal to their employees. 
So uh, what people have done instead of quitting and then trying to find a job, they just do quiet quitting. I've also heard of people doing taking out multiple job, jobs. So if you do remote work, uh, a lot of people have taken two or three or four other jobs at the same time because they feel like they can do the same work but get paid. Uh, the, they could do the same work for a short amount of time and get paid uh, a job, and they can take they had extra time to do other jobs. So um, have anybody heard of nine nine six? This is a culture thing in China. So basically, he's working from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., six days a week. Popularized by Jack Ma, who is Alibaba's founder and CEO. And he said, if you want to get ahead in the tech world, you have to believe in 996. Now, Chinese law says that you're not supposed to work that much, but it's implicit that people work that much at a minimum if they want to do well in China. So that's called 996, very popular saying in China. Has anybody heard about planking? So in China... Um, you're not allowed to protest. Uh, but what people, students or children were doing, or younger generation, because they couldn't find good jobs or well-paying jobs, they would protest by planking. Let me show you what planking is. This is planking. It's basically yeah. laying on your face and doing nothing. And this is their way of silent protesting against uh, the unfair job practices in China about um, um, where they couldn't get a good job and just the economic situation is very, very stressful for the younger generation. They you know, they go through all the schooling. They get, you know, even in Taiwan, they go, they get their undergrad, they go to graduate school, they even get their master's, and they get a very low-paying job still. So all that investment in tuition and not a good return on investment. Um, another part, so has anyone heard of the five regrets of the dying? So it's a it's a, a woman from the UK who was a, a nurse taking care of people who are about to die. Um, and she basically, she's a palliative nurse, so... When people have about 12 weeks to live, you see my little chart here. This is basically the, the lifespan of somebody. They're born, they go to school, they get work, they have a family. They live about 70 or 80 years. In the last 12 weeks, they just know that they're, they're, they have not much to live. So they go to this hospice care where this lady um, would take care of them. And she would ask uh, these people, these patients, did they have any regrets? And she asked about 3,000 patients. If you look it up, it's called Five Regrets of Dying. It got very popular maybe maybe 10 years ago. Uh, and they all had these five responses, uh, all that came up. So one was, I wish I'd had the courage to live true to myself, not what life others expected me. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. And I wish I had let myself be happier. So these were five indicators for these people that said, man, these are my regrets. Now, there's, of course, there's a lot of factors involved in that. But I like to bring this up because from what I'm looking at, everybody here is still pretty young. They're not in uh, palliative care. They're not in hospice. You're still living. You, 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 so it's a good asthma check for me to say, hey, am I, if I, you know, when I become 80 years old or up, am I going to have any of these regrets? If so, can what can I do now to change my perspective and action so that I can live without regret? So um, it's good just questions to ask yourself. Was like, am I doing these things? And how do I, how do I achieve these things if I can do that now? So, um, and we say this too. So when we talk about leading millennials and Gen Z, and I really believe the principles are still the same, just maybe how we execute it. People want to work for companies that align with their values. So no longer are people just apolitical about their companies. And you'll see people talk about, you know, those that in diversity inclusion or um, the, the quote woke companies, whatever they may be. But people want to start saying, hey, we live in a capitalist society. We want to uh, vote with our dollars. And if we we're going to work and we're going to spend 
nine hours, eight hours, 40 hours, 50 hours of our life at work because studies have shown that some people spend more time at work than with their families. We want to work with a company that aligns with those values and has a purpose, really. So um, so we always talk about this in our, our curriculums. We create them with curriculum. And one of these things is talk we talk about is vision. So people join an organization because of great vision, but people leave because of poor leadership. There was a reason why people joined the organization, whether it's Tesla or Apple or whatever it may be, or even a nonprofit, they believed in the cause, supposedly. Especially the younger generation always wants to see that kind of vision, that purpose, and an alignment to their values. But a lot of people uh, don't know how to lead people. And I give the classic example. I'm from Chicago, so of course the 90, 90, 1990 to 96 Bulls were the sixth times reigning champions, Michael Jordan, the GOAT of basketball. Fantastic basketball player. As an owner coach, questionable. So he became an owner coach in the Charlotte Hornets and hasn't been really been as successful. So it happens in companies a lot is that, for instance, I was in sales. You have your best salesperson, great in terms of selling, but then you promote to a sales manager, those skills that got him to the sales position is not the same as leading people. So can we teach people simple principles to treat people with respect, how to have ownership in terms of the vision, or even how to align people and communicate people to that vision. So uh, another one, this is uh, people don't leave bad jobs, they leave because of bad bosses, poor management, who don't appreciate their values. So once again, just emphasizing about respecting people, valuing people. I know it sounds simple to everybody here possibly, but you'll be surprised that when you start working with um, union labor or stevedores, which is the import export stuff. One of my co-founders led a terminal in the, the port of Los Angeles. Uh, they don't they don't teach this stuff. Hmm. So, um, yep, EQ skills. Okay. So this is our vision and mission: developing your manager, achieve organizational greatness. Um, we see these challenges. There's high turnover, low initiative, and there's not really a curriculum for leadership development. Um, so this is our solution. We our triangulation uh, center is vision aligned leadership, and we have three legs of a stool. So ownership, I talked a little bit about that. Whereas West Point, you also know if you know Jocko, who talks about the Navy SEALs, the extreme ownership stuff. He talks about ownership. We believe that's very important because people really need to. Let me give this example. Um, let's say you rent a car. Yeah. So when you get thirty, you know that in two or three days a week you can return it. Now, let's say you own a car. And somebody comes in with dirty boots and muddy boots. Are you going to let them in there? You probably treat them a little differently. Let's say you are renting a house or maybe an Airbnb. So if you don't like something, you know, whatever. You're, gonna, you're only there temporarily. You own a house. If you want, don't like something, you want to make changes. So this is the idea of ownership that we instill in people during this curriculum about this ownership should be also uh, implicit or translate into your workplace as well. We talk about relationship and relationship is uh, two, two-pronged. One is self-awareness, so knowing yourself, that's a relationship with yourself, and then relationship with other people. How do I treat people with respect? How do I uh, be authentic and vulnerable? How do I, um, we use a lot of like John Gottman in terms of the Love Lab, in terms of bids, and so how do you bid to somebody? How do they accept those bids where they don't disrespect you? And then alignment is just communication and alignment to that vision so people know where they're going. So, um this is a book I liked with Keep Your Love On from Danny Silk. Two questions. If you re- never, this is a part of the relationship aspect of knowing yourself. So if you never really learn to value, understand what's going inside, going on inside you, how can you value and understand what is going on with another person? 
If you don't know yourself, how can you get to know another person, someone with a completely different experience and perspective, and value the truth of who they are? Only those who value and understand themselves can value and understand others. Only those who can communicate honestly with themselves can communicate honestly with others. Now, this perspective is on marriage, uh, so that should be your most intimate relationship. But in any relationship, I think this applies. And this is the idea of emotional quotient or EQ, is that self-awareness, I think, is the beginning of, and your emotions is the beginning of understanding uh, not only yourself, but other people and having empathy for people. So let's delve into this real quick. Uh, I don't know, short on time, but um, Maslow, no, okay. Maslow's hierarchy of needs, very popular. Everybody knows this one. So this basically essentially says, hey, you need, you see the bottom, physiological, like food, warmth, sustenance, uh, safety, next, next stage. So basically what Maslow was advocating is that you have to meet these needs at the bottom in order to be able to move to the next level. So the top level is self-actualization because now when people have their needs met in terms of food, sleep, sustenance, safety, uh, community, and maybe self-esteem, then they can start thinking higher order, higher power, maybe bigger purpose. So um, that's one way of thinking about people's needs in, 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 in psychology and uh, social organizational health. Um, I like nonviolent communication, which is uh, Marshall Rosenberg. So basically what he says, he's boiled down to nine needs that every human needs. Very similar to Maslow's, but I think it doesn't have a hierarchy. So rest, safety, sustenance, love, purpose, creativity, community, empathy, autonomy. So why is this important? And how do you know if a need is being met or not met? Emotions. So what are emotions? They're not reality, but they signal whether or not needs are being met. So give an example. If your needs are being met, this is just an example, then those of you who get seven or eight hours of sleep, don't you feel more refreshed and relaxed? Um, if those that have, if you ever heard of hangry, hangry is when you're hungry and angry. So when you don't eat, people get more irritable and you know, um, maybe a little bit angry with other people. So this is an example of like being paying attention to your emotions can lead you to knowing whether or not your needs have met, been met or unmet. So if your needs have been unmet, um, as Cindy has indicated, before, uh, maybe you're just more fatigued. Maybe that you're not able to be as present. Um, so uh, I think this is a, a very easy step, but I think it's also very hard when if you're not used to this to pay attention to your emotions in different situations. So going back to the five regrets of the dying, to me, it talks to me about when I hear these, these statements of regret, what that tells me as you uncover the reason why you go into the principles, um, I see that. I was not living true to myself, not life what others expected me, tells me that somebody wasn't being authentic. Um, there's another idea called the false self or the pose, is that you're pretending to be something you're not really. So an uh, example is like, let's say I was a very athletic in high school, so I wanted to be the fastest person in, 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 in the class. But let's say somebody beats me in a race. Most people, if they think they're the fastest person, they get angry, and they're gonna try to say, okay, I'm gonna prove to them I can become faster than them. But that's not like, that's a good goal, but that's not really your identity because your identity is not being athletic and there's always going to be somebody better than you. And also growth doesn't happen through this false self. It happens through being authentic and stripping away that, self, that false self. So it, it comes into a lot of psychological schools of thought in terms of Brene Brown, uh, also Karen Horney, which is a, a disciple of uh, Freud. Um, anyway, so another one I hear when I say I wish it didn't work so hard is means it sounds like they didn't have any purpose or meaning. And everybody here who owns their own company or working with uh, clients, I'm sure you guys have some sort of purpose or meaning for what you do. I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. Once again, authenticity and connection and community. Everybody wants a psychological safe place to be 
them around people, but sometimes we don't get that, especially at work. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends, once again, community. Uh, I wish I had let myself be happier, so that's authenticity and purpose. Um, I like uh, a gentleman who is a professor at Harvard Business School and the Kennedy School, uh, and he just wrote a book with Oprah, as, uh, uh, Arthur Brooks. And he talks about happiness, and he says there's three components of happiness. So one is um, a pleasure with uh, people creating memories, right? So that's, that's one aspect. The other one is satisfaction, which is overcoming something difficult, um, but achieving something through something difficult. And then the third was um, having purpose or meaning. So why were you here on this earth? What are you willing to die for? So these are good uh, guide rails in terms of asking people, do, are you being a purposeful life? Are you having authenticity? Are you having meaning in your life? So, so this is just one example of something that we teach. And uh, we actually have a six-month curriculum that goes into all this and in these different parts. So we work with people and um, uh, companies to create vision and also then uh, the three legs of that stool that I was telling about. And then we also have individual coaches that works with individuals. Because it starts from the individual. Organizations are made by of people. And if the person is not on board, then the organization, there's a dysfunction in the team. So... That's one of that. So that's one a service. And then the other service you offer is production and procurement manufacturing. So let me quickly go through this one. Um, let's say you have an idea here. And most people, like let's say you want um, fishing jigs or lures, right? So most people, what they do is they go on Alibaba. Um, and because that's maybe manufacturing is really cheap and inexpensive in China. But what you find on Alibaba, you don't know if this is a real company. You don't know if it's a trading company. You don't even trust this company. So uh, the team that I have in China, they're local Chinese that I met with in 2016. Know them and trust them. They will actually help you connect with the factory, um, inspect the factory. And if you want to proceed, meet, get a sample, get a prototype, um, and make sure that before you even send any money that you get like the right uh, product. And then they'll meet the factory owner to build the relationship. And then they will then uh, help you produce samples. And then if you decide to move forward, produce it, um, even with all the minimum order quantities and everything, and then help you uh, with a logistics company ship it over here so that um, you are de-risking any issues that you want to purchase overseas. So that is um, one of the other services we offer and why we got into the international trade uh, because we do different industries from gym equipment to fishing to clothing to all types of industry because we focus more on the procurement side so that uh, entrepreneurs and startups can focus on the sales, marketing, and business development side, which I think is a lot harder than, let's say, procurement. Still difficult, but once you do it a couple times, you get down to a really relatively easy process. Um, and there we go. So that is it. Rise above. Wow. wow.